Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. And if you like this episode and you like what you hear, make sure you check us out online at writersgrouptherapy.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at WGTherapy individually. I'm Tom underscore Loveman on Twitter and Tom Loveman on Instagram. And I'm at Roshni Lamino on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you give us a five-star rating wherever you are listening to this podcast. And today we have two special guests with us, Christopher Renz and Gerard Bush, also known as Bush and Renz. Their new film, Antebellum came out in September of 2020 on Lionsgate, video on demand, and we'll just let them tell their story. Welcome, gentlemen. Hi, thanks for having us. And just uh, to help our listeners out, which one of you is Christopher and which one is Gerard? I'm Christopher, and I'll probably be speaking much less than Gerard. I'm Gerard, and so (laughs) I guess I'll be talking a lot. So you'll be carrying the interview. All right. Thanks thanks a lot, Christopher. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, that that just goes right to the first question is, you know, you guys were co-writers and directors on Antebellum and you guys have worked together for quite a long time. Um, How did that partnership begin and how has it developed? And how how does it balance? Because it sounds like one has a little more. (laughs) Well, we'll go in order, one at a time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's been um, over 12 years now. And we started our journey together in Miami. And when we first got together, I think it was the third or fourth day, we were at a dog beach um, with, at the time, was my new puppy. Uh, and, And we had a conversation about aliens and you know, this whole story that we created just sitting on the beach. And then we grabbed the dog and drove as fast as we could back to my place so that we could start writing it. And then, you know, we looked up a day later, and this was right as the great economic implosion uh, was taking place, the last one that we had before this mess that we're in now. and we were at ground zero because of, of real estate in Miami. And so, you know, Christopher was lucky or very fortunate in that he had a great job at Crispin Porter Bogusky, which at the time was still probably the hottest ad agency in the country. And they had done massive layoffs and Christopher had survived all of those. And I was really uh, freelance and just trying to find, you know, spots where I can get in at magazines and, and whatnot. And so, uh, we knew that we wanted to do something together and we wanted to, you know, eventually get into long form storytelling for film, but we also were really pragmatic in how we approached, um, our goals and objectives, both individually. And then obviously we discovered that we shared that as a collective, that, you know, it's probably not a good idea to pack up all of our stuff and on a on wing and a prayer and a short story and try to make something happen in L.A. So we spent the next decade um, honing our skills together 
as filmmakers, as storytellers. I think that we spent a lot of time also individually um, trying to, to, to best understand who we are as artists so that we could come together in a way that, that, um, that we would really contribute something meaningful, hopefully, uh, to, to storytelling. Um, and so we started our, our advertising agency, Bush and Wrens, and we worked really hard for two years to try to land clients any way that we could. We couldn't give ourselves away. It was very difficult. And then um, Moet and Chandon, we had an opportunity to pitch them in New York. Uh, and we spent, you know, what little reserve we had left in our kitty to fly ourselves to New York to pitch this business against really big major agencies. And um, ultimately, we we won the business, uh, which changed everything for us. Uh, and then Porsche happened and Harry Winston. And I, I started working as a uh, on the side as a uh, contributing creative director for Vogue Brazil. And we just were having a really pretty awesome time uh, creating art together for these brands. And they, they trusted us um, and gave us really carte blanche at a time where the digital space was still so nascent, you know, to, to um, a lot of these, these brands. Uh, and then when Trayvon Martin was murdered, um, I think, you know, Christopher and I, remembered why we first got together to start in this work. And when we started making money and we had responsibilities to employees and to clients, um, we, we started to lose sight of our original tenet of, of why we decided to, to come together and do this, which was uh, to catalyze a national dialogue around a whole host of really important issues as it relates to race, as it relates to the cr climate crisis, as it relates to equality across the board. And, you know, I, I said to Christopher that I, I'm growing increasingly despondent and, and not really that happy about the work that we're doing. And I don't want to spend the rest of my life selling champagne. And he said, well, I feel the same way. So what are we going to do? Um, and the next thing you know, uh, we had Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was the then head of the DNC in our office just a week later, and talked to her about what we could do um, to raise um, uh, these, these issues and how we could lend our creative and storytelling uh, resources to, to help amplify these issues. And she needed to activate uh, black and brown voters in the midterm elections, which Prior to Stacey Abrams in Georgia, um, you know she has somehow uh, uh, figured out how to do that. But it 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 is to say that it prior had been really difficult, really challenging would be a gross understatement. So Debbie wanted us to figure out uh, some content that would activate uh, black and brown voters in the midterm uh, elections in Florida. Uh, and so that's when we started putting together these ads of these back to school ads for bulletproof vest with beautiful, this beautiful little black kid. Um, it was, we didn't think it was so controversial, but young Turks picked it up and CNN picked it up and it just kind of went from there. Um, and then Harry Belafonte called and wanted us to work on a PSA for him. And he just basically said, look, I, I, I have very little budget, but I can fly you to Atlanta. Um, and there you'll have your choice of uh, some really high profile people to include in the PSA. And so we did that. 
um, that went wildly viral and everyone was sort of talking about that for a few weeks. Um, and then Jay-Z called and the rest is just kind of history. We just kept following along um, and doing the work until we finally decided after 10 years in Miami, going back to that original um, little conversation that we had at the dog beach at Biscayne Bay in Miami, only after four days of knowing each other, um, that we should try to, to do this. But then it took us 10 years to make it to LA. Um, and I was really apprehensive about the move to LA, frankly, because I just thought, well, the comfortable shoe of Miami, we know people, um, we're not going to end up, uh, destitute and on the street. <laughs> like, you know, there were just a lot of concerns that I had because, um, you know, we had known quite a few people that had come out to, to Los Angeles to, to make it happen. And it just, it just didn't. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the great things about partnership, at least our partnership is traditionally for us, um, it has been that I always would want to quit in the spring. <laughs> Christopher would want to <laughs> quit in the winter. And so it was never happening at the same time. So there was always a person to encourage you and tell you, tell us that we could do it and we would keep going. Um, and then right as we got to LA, my father had just passed away suddenly before that. Um, my brother um, had some problems and, and he was living in LA at the time and, and he eventually ended up dying quite tragically. And there was just a lot of, of upset. Um, our dog Cooper, you know, she had a, the dog that was at the, the, the dog beach with us that 10 years prior, um, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and we only had a little bit more time with her. And so wow. I, I was just in a lot of pain. Um, and there was a lot of sadness and, Los Angeles was wholly unfamiliar to me, which really felt more disorienting than um, I think I could handle. And that's when I had the nightmare about antebellum. Uh, and then, you know, the next day I told C about it. That's what I call him, C. <laughs> and then um, we, we started writing the short story. Um, and by the way, we wrote the short story with no intention of a film. Um, we just wrote the shorts. We have a you know really re healthy respect for the written word, um, and we we thought you know we've been writing for Esquire and Time and Huffington Post and MSNBC and you know now Vanity Fair and these other you know we thought we'd find a home for it and it would be a good read and that would be that. Um, but then a dear friend of ours named Kenny Mack introduced us to the produ the producer from Dallas Buyers Club among other movies Zev Foreman. And um, we had a television show that we wanted to discuss with him. And he said, I really can't bring any value to that. I don't do television. Um, my focus is on film, which at the time, you know, we didn't understand that, that, you know, that huge gap between those two things and the different worlds that they live in, in terms of, you know, who works in that business. But anyway, um, we were kind of perplexed by that because we were like, what's the difference? It's quality. Like you should try to help us. But anyway, um, as he was getting up from our lunch, we said, well, we do have this short story, you know, um, that you can read um, just so that you understand like some of the things that we write and how we write. And then, you know, maybe if there's eventually something that we can do together on the film side. Um, and then I think it was less than a week later that he called us quite urgently saying that we needed to get together right away to discuss antebellum. Um, and then I think within 
um, a couple of weeks, he had us writing the script. And then um, it was two months later that we were out shopping the, the script at different studios. And we were pretty clear about what we wanted and how we wanted to tell the story. And I don't think that C and I were either of us were in any rush to do it the wrong way. Um, but then also we realized it's our first film. And, and so um, we didn't know who was going to bite. Luckily for us, we had, we had some pretty aggressive suitors uh, and then we eventually, because of Nathan Kahane, who we had wild respect for, we really just liked him, felt simpatico, um, decided to go with Lionsgate. That is an amazing story. That's like the true Hollywood dream right there. I mean, it just sounds like every piece fell in a place. That's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was also like, you know, it, it was also incredibly difficult. I mean, there were times in Miami where, you know, um, we couldn't pay the electricity. There were times that we were worried about like putting, you know, it was, you know, there were, there were the McDonald's like 99 cent burger deals when we were, you know, people that were truly trying to move toward plant-based. Um, so it, it, you know, it was 10 years of a lot of, of struggle. Um, to figure things out and to stay with it. And I think because we had been through all of that struggle um, in Miami, I don't think necessarily that I was willing to go back to that if things went sideways in, in LA. Um, it just, you know, but luckily, I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say in a, in quite clumsily is that our overnight success was was really over 10 years in the making so what felt really fast once we got to LA I think would only have been made possible by a couple of things not the least of which was our naivete and and not knowing how any of these things work and having an expectation that they that it should work <laughs> you know? so I think you know had we known that it wasn't supposed to work this way, I think, you know, we may have created that reality. Speaking about our naivete, when, uh, when Zeb Foreman, our producer, read the short story and then he said, okay, you guys go write the script. We had never written a script before. So mm-hmm. it took a lot of Googling and formatting and we didn't um, have any idea about the programs that are used for that. So <laughs> Antebellum was written completely in Microsoft Word with a lot of like tabs and spaces and formatting and uh wow. oh my we, God. Didn't, we didn't That's even know um about final draft at all until <laughs> we got into production and they were asking us for the final draft file and we kept saying no 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 there are no more notes this is the final draft <laughs> we were like <laughs> that is what is your problem we have sent you the final draft that is the final draft and then we didn't figure out until I was like, Christopher, what is their deal? It's been like five times that they had lined get it emailed about the final draft. They've got it. And then, oh you know, gosh. anyway, I forgot, you know, it's, it's embarrassing um, even today to think about how much we didn't know. Um, but somehow we were protected by some omnipotent, mysterious force. So here we are. That's actually really awesome. You're not jaded. You know, it's really refreshing. I do want to take it back because something that Gerard said caught my ear quite some time ago. 
All right. So just so I got the timeline right, you have been working together for 12 years, you said, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. But after four days of meeting each other, you decided that you wanted to be writing and directing partners? Like, it takes me a year to figure that out with somebody. Four days. I mean, I, I think, um, look, C <laughs> and I are, are um, it, it, it's a, it's, it's, I can't describe it. I, and I, I, I communicate, I write for a living, but our sort of cosmic um, connection is, is beyond words. Um, we really feel quite familiar to each other. And I don't know anyone that I trust more other than my, my mom and my sister uh, than, than Christopher. And so, you know, our connection is, is, is really, really deep. And, and I hope that, you know, I think that we've, that we've done all sorts of things in past lives. And I hope that we do it again a, a thousand more times from here. But, you know, in the meanwhile, I think that, you know, we have this responsibility to each other that we're able to create something and do something in partnership that feels very different than what it would be otherwise individually. And I don't know that there is another person on the planet that, that I could make this kind of work with and vice versa. It just, it's just one of those things that as wild as it sounds, it felt um, predestined. It felt really uh, uh, comfortable, but then also challenging simultaneously. Um, but yeah, if there's no real easy way to explain how and why it happened the way that it did, it just felt um, right. That is amazing. May we all be so lucky. That is just, seriously, that is so cool. Now let's talk about the nitty gritty of working together because it is kind of unusual to have a co-directing team, writing team, maybe not so much, but obviously since you live together, it makes it a little bit easier. You don't have to Zoom, but who, <laughs> or, oh, you could, I guess, if you really want to, who does the like main writing or does one focus on plot, the other on character? What about when you direct together? How does it work? How do you guys make it work? Well, you know, there's not, I'll tell you, I mean, for both of us, solitude is incredibly uh, crucial on the writing side of things. On the script side, it's really much easier for us because we kind of, if easy would be an appropriate word, it's kind of, we both know where we want to go and the painting we're trying to create together and we're not going to fully realize it until we get it on the other side at the end. That doesn't mean that there, there are not going to be tons of rewrites and work that we have to do. But initially, we just go at getting it on paper. And so on the script, given the fact that C and I are, are very different in the way, um, you know, in the time, time that, we, that we feel most comfortable in writing, for me, I am definitely a morning person and I need that time by myself to really write. Um, and, and I'll hand my pages over to Christopher and he'll exchange pages with me and he could write from, you know, three o'clock or sometimes five o'clock in the afternoon until two o'clock in the morning. We're just very different in that we're never writing in the same place at the same time, the majority of the time 
on the short stories, you know, sometimes um, it is, it could be that, you know, I'm really far into a short story or Christopher's really far into a short story. And that could be the kernel of the idea that we're going to use for the script. Um, and, and, you know, like with Antebellum, that was, that was my nightmare in vivid uh, color. And so it was much easier for me to write that and, and really put it to paper and, you know, Christopher helped me polish it and edit it and, and organize it. But on the script side, it is literally 50, 50 and, and, and deep. And sometimes we don't necessarily agree rarely, but we don't necessarily agree on, you know, where we want to go in a particular direction um, with a character. Uh, and, and, and I think that what's held us in good stead is this agreement that we've made to say, we're going to defer to the person that feels the most passionate about any given issue as it relates to our work. But on occasion, rare occasion, we both are equally passionate <laughs> about it, about a particular thing, and, and we will debate the point our points and sometimes argue about it. And, and it takes a while for us to, to, to figure it out. Um, but when we do, I think that, that the, the material, I think what we're writing is the better for it. Um, I don't know what you would say on the directing side, see. Um, I think that that kind of informs the, the directing side and is really helpful because we work through all of the, uh, the, our issues. And, and by the time we, finish the script we both can see the film so when we get to uh get to the set we know exactly what we want so there isn't any of that uh you know those disagreements it's really us doing everything we can to make sure that our vision um is uh is put on screen and we're also both um i would say that you know most people would that know us or that have worked with us would say that we're, that we're pretty obsessive compulsive, but you know, it's something that we, that we try to manage um, by being overly prepared um, and knowing our script inside and out better than anyone. And, and knowing exactly like when we sat with our, our DP Pedro Luke before starting, you know, we would spend six and eight between six and eight hours a day in pre-production drawing out our storyboards, you know, our, 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 our entire, you know, we knew exactly how we wanted everything to be every shot, the way that it was going to be laid out, that we wanted a continuous shot to begin uh, the film so that it felt immersive, that you were immersing yourself in this nightmare behind, you know, the veneer of the plantation where, where, you know, all of this idyllic living is enabled by, um, uh, the gross, uh, abuse of of other human beings uh so we we were really clear about all of the things that we wanted to see and that we want to see on screen i think that it's respectful um to your department heads and your entire crew to have clarity on what you want and how you want to see it on the screen and being over prepared and i think for us you know, we've heard of a lot of directors that take other scripts and are working on other people's scripts and putting it on screen and they do it beautifully. 
Um, I, I, I don't know that, that we've cracked that code yet because for us, it's really about what we write on the page and everything. Um, it's almost as though we have to author the film as well as shoot it. And so, um, it just makes for us, I don't, we've never known anything any differently. So it's just a part of our process, short story, script, and then screen. It sounds like you guys really just have a great passion for the creative process. And I, I really like how um, you uh, work the social issues into your storytelling. I mean, Antebellum obviously has some not so hidden, you know, relatable topics in it for today. I'm really interested in, in your new, your next project, Rapture. Sounds very interesting. How does that fit into your goals of storytelling with the, the disenfranchised and the marginalized? What what's the the goal you're going for with that story? Well, I mean, look with Rapture, and and I don't want us to sound you know in any way uh, precious about the work that we're doing, or that we think that our work um, and and the subject matters that that we would like to pursue are any more important than you know someone. Um, a filmmaker that's able to make you belly laugh at a time that you really need it. Um, it's just that for us, we have some really deep concerns about, as I mentioned earlier, a whole host of, of social issues. With Rapture, um, without saying too much, we are most interested in the pursuit of the weaponization of of religion um and and also that we are in a in a situation now um where the the climate crisis is you know with everything that's happening uh you know that happened at 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 the capitol um, the tumult that we're experiencing in the country now that is so reflected in what you see in antebellum. I think um, that none of these crises are taking a break um, out of courtesy to the other. Uh, COVID is, is not taking a break because we can't seem to get it together as a country. And the climate crisis is still burning out of control. And if we don't do something about it yesterday, I think that most scientists would agree that we're, that we're reaching um, some stage of, of irreversible, uh, which perish the thought of what that looks like. And so Rapture really um, takes a deep dive into and and I hope I Christopher and I we're crazy about the story and it feels really big and biblical and epic you know it's a it's a big film um but I but I think I'm pretty sure that it is going to to stir a a, a big conversation um in a different way than antebellum um but yeah, that's I, without I, you know if I if I told you everything, it would it would ruin the film. But yeah, don't don't spoil. <laughs> yeah. I kind of came into the writing and filmmaking world similar to you guys. I actually worked in advertising and marketing, and it was later in life. I was I think I started doing it in my thirties, mm-hmm. and uh, not later in life, but you know not I didn't, come <laughs> out, I didn't I didn't come out of film school, you know, and and right. so 
So um, what advice do you have to people who get this bug that they want to create um, and want to do this? What would you, what would advice would you give them to someone else in your kind of situation? Well, you know, I, I, I would like to be able to say something. Let me preface it first by, by apologizing if I sound too new age, because I don't want to sound new age, but, okay. um, but, uh, uh, I, I truly believe that that no one has um, any right to rob you of your purpose, of the thing that makes your heart sing, and 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 if that is telling stories, um, you know, for film or television or you know, short stories or books. I think that it's really important that outside of all of the mechanics that come along with um, developing a skill um, as it relates to the craft of, of writing, I think that it's of equal, if not more importance to try to silence as much as you can uh, that inner critic that's constantly stalking you and making you look at at the world and and other people in a way that that doesn't feel like um, it, it's conspiring for this destiny that you're in pursuit of. I think it really ultimately is up to you as a person to recognize that the quality that is most needed to do this work is perseverance. It, there is a stamina uh, required that is, in many ways, uh, can feel supernatural because you know you're going to want to quit and 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 you can feel frustrated and upset. I know there are times when I'm writing something where I think to myself, like, "Who do you think you are?" And this is like ridiculous, and like no one's going to want to read this, and this is stupid, right? <laughs> so, but. I have to talk myself down off of that ledge and continue doing what I feel inspired to do. Um, I don't know if that's, if that's good advice um, because it's not really specific and it can sound a little vague and new age, but you know, it, it really just comes down in my humble opinion to stamina. I think that's, that's excellent. And Christopher, how about you? Any, any closing thoughts? Um, my advice would be to download Final Draft first. <laughs> Very wise. I, Anything I, else? I really, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really mirror everything Gerard said there. I mean, you, you do get to a point where, you know, the, the critic in your head starts getting to you and just pushing past that is really um, where things start to flow. Um, awesome. But I mean, Gerard said it so well. <laughs> well, Gerard, Christopher, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find you online, how can they do so? Um, oh, and I've been taking a little bit of a sabbatical from social media, but yeah, I'm there at, um, at Gerard Bush on Instagram and at Gerard Bush on Twitter. And then we also have at Bush on Twitter and Instagram, B-U-S-H-R-E-N-Z as in zebra. Not on Facebook. We're, yeah, we've never been on Facebook, but 
Um, I don't even know how to operate Facebook, but yeah, Instagram, <laughs> um, Instagram and Instagram and Twitter. Terrific. And then when will, uh, well, Antebellum is out right now. And when will Rapture be headed to the theaters or video on demand? Well, we're, we're uh, headed into pre-production now very soon. very soon. And then it's just about, you know, these, you know, hopefully uh, we'll, Look, it's it's all about COVID regulations and us like working around yeah. all of these things and where we're going to shoot. But uh, we're super optimistic, as is the studio now, that we're going to be able to move forward pretty aggressively um, now that things are shaping up. It doesn't feel like it, guys, for so many of us right now. It feels really terrible and crazy out. But, you know, we're we're there's a light at the end of the tunnel with these vaccinations. And for us, uh, being able to vaccinate the entire uh, production is going to be key. Awesome. We've been writing away and ready. After that, we have Inkwell, our show with HBO, that we'll be ready to go into after Rapture. Oh, yeah, the, wow. Yeah, we sold, like, our show for HBO is, um, all we can say is, like, uh, black surfers. Uh, <laughs> and, okay. Yeah, and, but, like, there's a, it all happens in Malibu, like, Southern California, Malibu, but there's a crazy sort of supernatural it's we're extremely excited about that show in fact that's what we first wrote when we got here that we were trying to sell zev foreman on and he wouldn't even listen because uh he doesn't do televisions so it's funny we've come full circle and now we just closed the deal with hbo max for inkwell well congratulations congratulations all right, everybody. So make sure you check Renz and Bush out online. Check out Antebellum currently on Video On Demand and Rapture and Inkwell coming soon. And we will talk to all of you soon. <laughs>